Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. Today, we are going to cover Season 1, Episode 7, Miri, which aired originally on October 27th, 1966. As always, I am Brandon Fought, and he is back with us again. We've got Paul Crowder. Yo, what's up, people? I missed you. Woo. It's been a while. My bad. Technical issues. You know how it is. Life. But I'm ready. Let's talk about it. And we've also got Dan here. How's it going, guys? And we're just going to go ahead and jump right into this one. Uh, this episode opens on the bridge of the Enterprise, as many do, with Kirk saying that they are receiving an Earth-style SOS signal. And Spock confirms that it is a ground signal not coming from a vessel. So Kirk explains that they're hundreds of light years from Earth and that there's no colonies or vessels that are out that far, so they can't quite figure out what's going on there. Uh, Spock starts rattling off the characteristics of the planet that they're approaching that the signal's coming from. And he goes over the circumference and the mass and the mean density in the atmosphere and says that they're all similar to Earth's. Uh, Yeoman Rand, uh, Janice, exclaims that it is Earth as they get closer. Uh, but Kirk says, you know, that's not the Earth, but that's another Earth. And I did actually look up the characteristics of, you know, our real Earth. And the numbers are slightly different from what Spock is reading off there. And I'm not sure if it's like if they did that on purpose or maybe just we found more accurate ways of measuring things since, uh, you know, the show was filmed. But it, they're not like super far off. So it's not, you know, like a big deal. I uh, When I saw that, whatever, I thought, oh, look, the multiverse. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something like that. Yeah, I, I, I thought... It- I thought it was going to be something like a copy of us or a copy of of everything on our Earth. I don't know why I thought that immediately. I just kind of, I, yeah, that's that's kind of what well, I was the looking screen at. Screen in the background of the Earth, so you could actually see the continents, right? That look like our continents. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's just basically. Earth. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like literally like they they went like uh, it'd be like a time travel thing or like a uh, something. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect uh, going into that, but there was a lot that they. Uh, that I feel like they could have done. Yep. So we get a captain's log after the commercial break. Uh, Kirk just recaps, you know, that they found a duplicate Earth, which this show really loves their duplicates lately, like in this first season. Uh, but the Enterprise uh, is orbiting the duplicate Earth while Kirk confirms that, you know, they still haven't gotten a response to their signals that they've sent to the planet. And uh, he decides that they're going to beam down a landing party near the vicinity of the distress signal that they're receiving. So they just uh, they beam down six people and they kind of land in like this street where the buildings are all run down and there's broken down cars and just like just trash laying everywhere. And and immediately. OK, so like I look, I'm like, OK, six people, uh, two of these guys we don't know. and They've got red shirts. So like they're fucked. Uh, but then I was like, why is Janice there? Like of all the people that you can bring with you, like Sulu's good with a, a rapier, but like they brought Janice. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I was like. I thought what Janice, I thought, oh, she's the only female. But I thought, wait, what is she even doing there? Like, she's not a security team. She can't fight. Like, it's like they knew they were going to be talking yeah. to kids or something. Like, they knew someone. Like, I, I'm not sure. And, like, does she even carry a phaser? Maybe she just needed to get off the nope. ship. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, she's she's like, hey, take me take me with you on this one. Like, I've been on this ship for quite a while. Yeah, it's funny because she don't have no phaser. I don't think she has anything with it. No equipment, nothing. Yeah. It, so... They uh they start walking around and just like checking stuff out, and Kirk is like, "Hey, you know, you two unnamed crew members, 
uh, why don't you, like one of you go this way and then one of you will go this way. And then, you know, the four of us will stay together, but you guys separate <laughs> from everybody else. And, and this is again dead. where I'm like, I knew they were dude, they're going to die. Yeah, I thought they, I thought they were going to yeah. die immediately. Cause I was like, oh yeah, look, they're here. Cause I've never seen the faces before. I'm like, yeah, they're going to die. But I'm like, look, you have a group of six people. Like, why don't you split into three groups of two or like two groups of three? But he's like, no, you two go off on your own, not together, like completely separate. And then the four of us will stay together. <laughs> it's almost like the Scooby-Doo rules. Like, oh, hey, the the people that are brave are going to stick together. But the two cowards, yeah. go off the other way. Yeah, these two unnamed guys, you guys just go explore stuff on your own. Like, we don't know anything about where we are. Like, everything's obviously like dilapidated and destroyed. But no, you guys go. But uh, Kirk looks around uh, and says, he's like, yeah, you know, this is looks just like Earth from the early 1900s. And Spock is like, well, you'd actually, because he's running a, a scanner. And he's like, well, it's more like Earth from, you know, around 1960. And Janice asks where everybody is, which obviously they don't know. And Spock's like, well, you know, there's some natural deteriora- deterioration here. Uh, it looks like it's been happening for several centuries. And he thinks that the uh, distress signal was automated. Uh, elsewhere... You know, we get a quick shot of one of the unnamed crewmen. He kind of walks, like, past this door, this open door. And then just as he gets by it, the door closes. So, obviously, you know, somebody or something is alive in this place. And not a very good security guard since he didn't hear the door shut. Yeah, I thought that, too. But maybe he's just, like, bopping around, like, along with his uh, headphones in, just, like, listening to some some slamming track. And he's just, you know, he doesn't really care. He knows he's screwed. He's like, I know what happens to the no-names on these uh, missions. Yeah. He's like, I, we didn't even get an introduction. I'm screwed. But the, the main crew, they just keep looking around and, and Kirk finds an old tricycle and he picks it up. And for some reason, he hands it to Spock, who then just passes it to McCoy. Like Spock's like, what, like, what is this shit? Like, I don't want this thing. And he just hands it off to McCoy. Don't hand me your garbage. Yeah. Like, why did, why did he even pick that up for starters? He's just like, here, Spock, look at this useless thing I found. It just gives it to him. And Spock's like, OK, great. Just hands it to Bones. And he looks at it and he sets it down and then suddenly somebody starts shouting mine like uh, that's mine. Like the the seagulls from uh, what is, this? is that Finding yeah, Nemo mine, that's mine, from? Mine, mine. Uh, no, 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 not a Finding Nemo. No, that's the penguins, right? It's the penguins a lot, right? I thought the, I thought the mine thing was this was seagulls. seagulls? I, I don't know. One of those cartoon kid shows. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, this guy starts screaming mine and, and just rushes uh, bones and he tackles him. So Spock and Kirk come in and they pull the guy off of him and Kirk just starts punching him in the face, uh, but knocks him down. But he gets back up and comes at him again and, and Kirk punches him again. They do this like three times before finally the dude's just like, you know, fine. He's down for the count. And I'm like, why didn't Spock just like Vulcan grip this dude? Yeah. Like he's he's got this. I don't ability think he wanted to, to touch people. him. He's like, ugh. <laughs> he's got this ability to just like drop people with like a pinch. And he's like, ah, I'm just going to watch Kirk beat the hell out of this guy. Like Spock just has this kind of sadistic side where he just likes to watch people get beat up. Yeah. Well, he's like, damn, look at his face. I don't want to touch that. Yeah. For for a minute, I actually thought they were going to do like a, a zombie episode. I'm like, don't let him bite you. Yeah. The most interesting thing about that part actually is uh when they gave uh, the, the tricycle to Bones. He stared at it in a way that he didn't understand what it was. It's, su- it's super subtle if you if you if you notice. Like he hands him it, he like he looks at it. It's like the, like in curiosity, he looks at it very curious, and then kind of hits the wheel and it spins around. And it's like yeah, so, it, well, maybe in, yeah, it, maybe in the thirty first century they don't have toys like yeah, that. Yeah, if you look at if you kind of look at his face, like he he truly was like curious about what is this object and whatever. And that's when I realized, oh crap. 
we we I didn't I guess I didn't really think about the what they didn't didn't have on Earth back then, you know, like tricycles and bicycles. I'm assuming that they just they'll forget about that or whatever. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me. This is a small detail. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I looked at it more as like he looked at it with a more like what the hell happened here kind of thing. But yeah, I guess it is totally plausible as well that. Maybe they have like hover bikes or something. By yeah, now, or so they, they just, don't even. It's part of history. You know, they, they just don't do that. Yeah, they, part of history just got erased. I don't know. Just it yeah. stuck with me. So this dude that attacks him, he's got like some really weird colored blonde hair, like long blonde hair, and he's he's got like purple burned looking skin, and he uh, he lays down near the broken tricycle, and he's just like crying like a little kid, you know, that it's broken, and he's asking them to fix it, and Bones is like, yeah, you know, we'll fix it, and. Spock, Spock says, ah, he, he appears to be some type of humanoid, which was like no shit. Like he's, <laughs> he's obviously like human shaped, you know, it's, <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Kirk's like, well, you know, it's, he's got some kind of like, he's got like the mind of a child. Uh, and then the dude starts uh, gasping for air and McCoy says that he's having some kind of seizure. Uh, so Kirk tells him, he's like, you know, calm down. We just, you know, we want to help you out. And, and the dude's like, well, he starts yelling at him, calling Kirk a liar, and you know he just starts uh, shouting "never" over and over, and then he just dies right there in front of him. And like the second he dies, Bones like I gotta scan this dude, and just like goes over and starts scanning him, and he's like, "Yep, he's dead." And he says that the guy's <laughs> metabolic rate is impossibly high, and that it seems that he aged a century in just the past few minutes. So they hear some footsteps behind him, and and then they all just start running towards him because why not? And they get joined by the two security guys who are so far. Okay. So then, you know, as they're running then they hear a door creak, you know, the other side behind them. And then they all just start running to the door and they open it and they just go into the building, which like, it's really weird at this point. They're just like running at every little sound, which oh, is by, just like, okay, see, like it just visually moment. looks weird. This is the moment where I do my thing. What the H hell is going on with you chasing sounds for no reason you are a, uh, you yeah. are a, a group of military style explorers the the idiocracy of chasing after sounds with with no plan no formation no nothing is by far the most stupidest thing of, of I've seen so far in this episode yeah they're like they're all like a, just a well, I dog guess it's better than them running away oh look was that a sound let's all run that way like run together or whatever and then why is janice there still she's there with no weapon or nothing she's literally running in the middle of people just to be running there like yeah and they clearly don't even want her there because they didn't pass with the tricycle so <laughs> yeah she didn't even get a turn with it <laughs> so they uh they go inside the building and spock you know starts scanning something and he's like oh this thing looks like it's about 300 years old which it was hard to tell what it was but it just looked like a piano so i don't know if he's never seen you know a piano or I thought it was uh, piano also. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they hear like a thump in another room. And then finally they all draw their phasers and they like stack up against the door. And, you know, Kirk yells, you know, he's like, hey, whoever's in there, you know, you need to come out. You know, we're not going to hurt you. Uh, but he doesn't get a response. And he just swings the door open and he sees a little girl inside that's crying. And, you know, she's like, hey, you know, don't hurt me, please. And, and Kirk says they're not going to, you know, they only want to talk. So he goes in and he kind of pulls her out of the room and tells uh, Spock to take the guards and go outside and, you know, do some more readings on stuff. So outside, uh, Spock and his guards, they separate again, which is like the super smart thing to do. And Spock's uh, machine, which is actually a tricorder, and I know that because of the subtitles, uh, his tricorder starts going off. 
So we see somebody, you know, he starts like walking towards a, a window or a door and you see from the inside, somebody's like cleaning that off and watching him and he heads that direction because that's the direction that his tricorder is telling him to go. So back at uh, the girl and the, the rest of the crew, uh, she's talking about how she remembers the, the things that the grups did, which was like burning and things and yelling at people and hurting people. And Kirk is like, well, you know, we didn't do anything like that. You know, we're here to help. So she asks where, or he asks her where everybody else is. And you know, she says that she thinks that they're playing some kind of game with her and that she wants to know the rules. And she uses like a bunch of weird words, like fully and just, you know, just weird stuff like that. And uh, they don't know any of the words either. And Janice somehow puts it together that grups mean grownups. So, hey, she did do something. That's why they brought her along. Yep. Just for that that moment right there. They're like, you, you, uh, you know, you are really good at making nonsense words make sense. So we're just going to bring you with us. But uh, Kirk asks about the grups doing bad things. And, you know, she says that you know, it happened when they started to get sick in the before time. And she says that, the, you know, the kids all hid and, and then the grups were gone. So McCoy asks, you know, if the reason the grups weren't around is because they all got sick. And she's like, yeah, you know, they got sick and they started to die. And McCoy starts thinking that it's some kind of uh, plague. And I was like, oh, geez, like, is are they going to end up with like a, a like another virus episode? Uh, the girl confirms that there are more kids hidden in the area. And Kirk is like, you know, hey, what's your name? And she says her name is Miri. And Kirk is like, hey, you know, you're you're very pretty. And, uh, you know, she seems super happy about it. But boy, was this scene just weird. Okay, yeah, this is when I kind of oh uncomfortable to watch. Okay. Like, I, yeah. this is from this moment right here, bro. I gotta say, this episode is so pettish, like pettyish, that like pedophilish, that I like. I, 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 maybe that's why I felt so uncomfortable watching the episode. Because, like, this, from this moment on, like, my level of enjoyment this episode was like, I don't know, a two, and I couldn't get it past. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it anymore. It's like I was forcing myself to sit through it because every scene with her made, and, and them together made me feel uncomfortable. Like I, yeah, like, 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 I, I know I'm not, I know I'm supposed to know it's a TV show and I get it here and there. Actually, other things that didn't bother me. I just know that at this particular moment, I could not get over that. I just, I just wonder if like maybe it's, uh, just a, a time period thing, like in the sixties that didn't seem so weird. And that, because, you know, just the things that we've been exposed to, like in media and, you know, all this stuff now, like it just seems worse than it actually is. Like maybe it is more innocent or was more innocent back then. Yeah. And just now we kind of look at it with a different lens, but yeah, man, that was, uh, well, well, then she was like, Oh, she, uh, Later on, like I hate to jump ahead of myself. He's like, "Oh well, she's three hundred years old." Like, cause the whole aging thing. And I thought, okay, cool, but that's like people using justification. Oh, she looks eighteen though. Like, yeah. like one of those things like that. So like this whole episode, I kept getting more and more and more uncomfortable with their scenes together. I just, I don't know. It was just something about it. It just. Uh, I, I think it, you know. From their point of view, you know, when the show was being made, it was during a simpler time, uh, more innocent time. But for headcanon to try to make it not so awkward, I'm like, maybe this virus just makes them act out of the norm. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I, I think that you're right that it was a more innocent time and you know we're probably reading a bit too much into it and maybe like the acting kind of makes it seem that way and maybe he was meant to just you know so maybe he's supposed to just trying to be nice to her to kind of you know win her over onto their side and help him out or whatever but man it just it came off uh you know a, a little not great yeah. for you know the current time period it doesn't help that we all know uh Kirk is a a ladies man so yeah, yeah, he does have that exactly. reputation. It was like his his reputation as a ladies' man. Like she's a lady, in quotations. Like all this stuff. Like it just, I don't know. It started going the way that I felt uncomfortable, and I just, I put that in my notes. I'm like, felt uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so we we okay, going Well, it's not like, a good sign that the three of us all felt uncomfortable during this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but outside, uh, Spock and his guards are investigating an alley when something uh, gets thrown off the roof and down a fire escape. So they all, you know, press themselves up against the building to take cover and Spock starts climbing the fire escape to go up and see what's going on. And then he just starts hearing uh, some children singing, you know, that na-na, you know, I'm not even going to do it. Yeah. I'm just, uh, anyway, he he hears the, uh, you know, the kids singing and then he jumps off the, the fire escape. And then someone starts throwing a lot of stuff off the roof at them. And so they take cover and the children start singing like faster and faster. So they're like, screw this. And they go and meet up with uh, Kirk and his crew. And Spock tells Kirk that, you know, they couldn't get close to the kids without them running away. So Kirk, you know, explains basically everything he learned that all the adults are dead. And McCoy points out that, you know, the one that attacked them wasn't a child. And Kirk kind of muses that, you know, there has to be records somewhere to answer some of their questions. Like, you know, hey, somebody has to have recorded what happened here. So he asks uh, Miri if she knows if there are any buildings where doctors used to work. And she's like, yeah, you know, but that's a really bad place. And Kirk's like, yeah, that's fine. Just go ahead and take us there anyway. And she's like, okay. So she asks his name and he introduces himself as Jim. So he's getting uh, a little casual with it. Uh, She says that she likes his name and he's like, yeah you know, I like your name too. And I, and I like you. And I was like, oh, this has got to stop. Like they, they just, they can't keep doing this. Uh, but she's like, Oh, you know, you're really nice and you're different from the other grups. And then he like kind of gently grabs her chin, you know, and, uh, she notices a spot on his hand that looks like it's got like disease, like really bad disease. And she says that, you know, what happened to the other grups is starting to happen to him and that's going to spread all over him and he's going to start yelling and try to hurt everybody and then he's just going to die. So it turns out, yes, they can get the virus. And yes, it is another uh, virus episode. He's like, no, it's just syphilis. It's okay. He's like, yeah, I've always had this. <laughs> you, you don't understand. But uh, we get another commercial break and we come back to another captain's log. And Kirk explains through the log that the building they went to housed the device that was putting out the automatic transmission that they found. And he says that the blue spot that he has is now on everybody except for Spock. Spock, again, being the superior being in the show. And he likes to joke about it. Yeah. love. I mean, why not? It did a, him, him and Bones do that a lot. Where he yeah. cracks, cracks on Bones for being a, a, a human all the time. And then, like, you know, it's just the way they... The way, I like the way they do that. I don't know. I just, I yeah, find they it have yeah, a really good, good relationship. It's good back and forth banner. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he continues to explain that uh, there was a laboratory in the building where they were heading and that McCoy is using some tissue samples from each of the crew to see if he can isolate the organism that's responsible for the virus that they have. Which I don't know about you guys, but like it's 
it said he said that you know, they have a blue spot and the coloration to me made it look purple like maybe it was just my monitor or something but it looked more purple to me than blue it looked blue i was showing up more i was kind of showing up bluish purple on my tv yeah i don't know maybe my colors need corrected on my monitor my, my only issue from this episode like it's about from this point on or whatever is like it's so dialogue heavy and so scientific and so and they all sound really smart with what they're saying but it's not an interesting talk. No. Like I, I like I like the way they were talking to each other. Like they're using a lot of big words that I, I apparently I understand because I do from watching other other things of science nature or whatever. But it's like it's such an uninteresting thing unless I'm going to break down, you know, oxidation or all this other stuff I want to break down and exp- whatever. It's like I don't know. It just yeah. it just seems like it's a lot of talk and uh, smart words coming up. So uh, McCoy says that it's a zoo of bacteria is what he's looking at. And he calls the Enterprise for some more equipment. And Kirk tells them, hey, you know, don't beam anybody else down here because we don't want anyone else uh, getting sick. And then once again, Dan, he does our favorite thing and just hangs up on whoever he's talking to. and does not give them any time to respond to anything like that seems to be his calling card. You know, if he if he were to stop doing it, you'd want to question what's going on at this point. Yeah. It's not Kirk if he doesn't just hang up on you. Well, he, he's so used to hanging up on all his bitches that he's like, I'm just going to hang up on everyone. <laughs> Everybody on the ship is his bitch. He's the captain. But uh, Kirk asks McCoy why he thinks Spock has no symptoms. And McCoy, you know, jokes that maybe the virus doesn't have an appetite for green blood. And Spock's like, well, you know, being a red-blooded human obviously has its disadvantages. And I know it's like a joke, but I mean, he ain't wrong. He he generally just doesn't have any of these issues that that they have. Like you humans are inferior. It's pretty much the most real thing you said this this whole this whole season to me. Yeah, it's like a disadvantage. I was like, oh, you're kind of right. You do seem to be having better off than us. Yeah, uh, but Spock starts talking about the uh, you know the equipment that McCoy is using and you know how old that stuff is. And Spock gets annoyed and, and he's like, well, you know, it's just it's enough that it works. So uh, McCoy notices that the spots have spread onto his you know his hands and and Mary says. That when you're old, uh, it covers you, you know, just like anything. So basically super quick, which is a real like just kind of backhanded, you know, hey, hey, Bones, you're old. Like you're going to die first. Yeah. I mean, he might. But Kirk finds a report on uh, a life prolongation project, which really could have used a a better name. And, uh, you know, they comment about how, you know, obviously they didn't have any luck with that thing over that whole program. But we get another captain's log, like kind of mid, uh, not mid scene, but just, you know, just without a commercial, which is really weird. And uh, McCoy's equipment has been beamed down. So they're using it along with the ship's computer banks to try to find the cure for the virus. Uh, Spock's talking to Kirk about, you know, how it's been 300 years and only the children are alive, but, you know, children become adults. So how is that whole thing working? And, and Kirk's like, well, yeah, you know, they did up until now, which is weird because he just kind of brushes that off. Like, that's a really good question. If. You know, it's been 300 years and all the adults are dead. How the hell are there still kids? And Kirk just seems pretty uninterested in that. He's like, eh, yeah, I'm not guess, worried about it. I, I see it, same thing. Yeah. It's funny because the uh, the premise of this show, like the whole virus and kids, actually is the premise of an entire show that I know called Jericho. Oh, I've I heard of that. Like, yeah, it's a show called Jericho. And like literally when you – like everybody over the age of puberty uh, gets a disease and dies, 
And so it's literally people uh, going around with kids or whatever, uh, as uh, the younger people going around and redoing the earth. It's all, it all goes in the shambles or whatever. That's interesting. I wonder if uh, if this episode was it's, part of an inspiration <laughs> or inspiration something. Inspiration for it. I have no idea. This is like a, yeah, it came, it's like a 90s show. Huh. So yeah, once I saw this, I thought, oh man, that's a, that's like, I wonder if it, that's the reason how to get the idea for it. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, I, I bet it is. I mean, if so, that'd yeah. be pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So Spock goes to McCoy and asks him about, you know, glandular changes during puberty. And, and McCoy asks, you know, he's like, why are you asking me about that? Which I mean, at this point, why even question Spock? The dude's right like 99% of the time. I but, mean, he's uh, a walking yeah. computer, honestly. Right. Like, why are you asking? None of your business, dude. Just answer the question. But he asks, you know, Spock asks if it's possible that the children get the virus as they enter puberty. And Kirk is like, well, that doesn't explain why there aren't any adults. And McCoy is like, well, you know, there's, you know, that's true, but I think he's on to something. So again, you know, just answer his question. And Spock's like, well, you know, it's illogical that there have been no adults here for 300 years, but there are kids. And Kirk's like, well, they, you know, they die during adolescence. And McCoy asks, you know, how do you keep the line going? You know, so basically, how are there more kids? Exactly. Uh, and Janice is talking to Miri and uh, asks why, you know, why would you want to stay with us if you've, you know, basically, or she's never mind. She's not talking to Mary. She asks why Mary would want to stay with them. If she's basically been kind of like a wild animal since she was a little kid. And Kirk is like, well, you know, maybe she's lonely or curious. And, you know, maybe she just has that need for structure. And Spock's like, well, you know, maybe there are other emotions, you know, in, in her case. And McCoy's like, well, you know, Hey, Kirk, you, Mary really likes you. And Spock's like, yeah, she's becoming a, a woman. And Kirk gives this kind of like <laughs> this face. that's kind of like, oh, shit. Like he didn't realize it. He's like, oh, man, I thought it was like grooming a child. And it turns out she's about to, you know, be an adult. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. not helping. See, I think like I, I get it. I get the na- naivety of it all. I understand. At the same time, I'm like, this episode is still uncomfortable, bro. <laughs> it's still like, weird. You, you can you didn't, re- you, you didn't read the signs like like it's OK for little girls. But, you know, oh, you know, oh, I got a crush on him. Da, da, da. But it's just. The way you approached it, bro, you, you made it look like you were trying to holler at her. Yeah. Like, you know, you, Kirk you can't it help like, it that he's just too good looking. Oh, I see. It, that and two. Okay. So another thing in this show, they film a lot of the uh, the one offs. That's like when it's one person on, on screen by themselves. Well, like this lighting that makes like Kurt look dreamy. Yeah. Like the kind of lighting they do. They do this lighting where they light half his face and the other light is, is in the dark. It's like this uh, dream this dream effect or whatever. And like makes him look all like sparkly. Like they're literally like adding like sparkles and glitters to when he, you know, when, on the screen <laughs> or something. Like when, when he comes on screen, I swear they do, bro. They're like, I swear it's they do. time for Shatner to film his scene. Somebody get the bag of sparkles ready. <laughs> so, dude, I swear. I, I, I swear. Next, time, next time he's in a scene, watch how the lighting comes. It comes from left to right. And it comes to the angle with the light part of his face, and the other side is in the dark. It does it all. They do it all the time when they show this watch. Hold on, hold on, Paul. He just had that effect. No matter where he goes, the lighting is just bending to his good look. Yeah, that's just William Shatner. That's not Kirk. That's just Shatner. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, man. If I start to notice this and it ruins this show for me, I'm gonna be very upset. I'm telling you right now, every time the, the, it's the lighting for left to right, and it's like, I'm telling you, this, this way. You're, you're getting the better I'll night, Paul. I'll point it out. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so uh, Spock gets a call from the Enterprise, and they give him some figures on their research, and Spock tells the crew that you know he's got cal- his calculations, and you know Kirk is talking to Mary, and he's like, hey, why don't you go uh, clean up this desk over here where we were working? And she's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Which is 
really weird, but like I understand he wants to kind of get her away from the conversation. Uh, so Spock says that according to the life prolongation plan, uh, what they thought they were accomplishing was that a person would age only one month for every hundred years. And he says that there was a miscalculation that wiped out the adults and that the children could be, you know, immensely old. But I feel like if they were, you know, hundreds of years old, like, would they still be mentally children? Like, wouldn't they have, like, mentally grown at that point? Oh, 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 oh. okay. Another another part about this damn show that annoyed me is, let's say right now, I, let's use right now, for instance, we kill everybody, uh, what's well, 12 and under, right? Or, or, or everybody, oh, sorry, kill everybody 12 and older. There's some smart kids out there that are from 11 to young, like geniuses out there that are considered geniuses at 10, 11, 9. Like, this doesn't seem plausible yeah. to me. Well, like, kids, I, like, are, I just, w- w- kids are pretty resilient. They can figure shit out pretty easily and take care of themselves at a young age. Right. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Like, even if, so on this earth, I've seen there are millions of kids. And then, so there's no way that this happened. Like, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. And this one, I thought I'd get, I thought, wow, I guess I'd never consider how smart kids are. Yeah. And like, generally, I'm willing to suspend disbelief for stuff like that and like stuff like this and just say, you know, okay, you know, they were physically and mentally kids this whole time. But I I think I've come to expect better from this show where they normally cover stuff like that uh, pretty well, I think. Yeah. Like, the kids were so, like, like, think about it. Here's the moment where you realize. They've all aged, only aged uh, three months or three months, right? In the 30 yeah. years. Okay, right? Which means that she's 12 or 11, whatever. And she, however old she is right now, I'll, I'll go with 12. And a 12 year old's an idiot and doesn't understand any English. Because I think about it. All this time, she doesn't, why is she using even talking like this? Yeah. Like, like, like her talk should be normal. But it's it, well, it even if you're aging up slowly, your your experiences and you know having to take care of yourself would make you mature mentally, right? Even if you thank weren't you. ready, uh, yeah. If anything, they would have matured is, faster having no adults around to take it, care of them. Thank you, and and that's when I thought that if she came out like an adult this whole time instead of a kid, I would have changed my view of feeling uncomfortable about the show. Yeah, like it wouldn't feel so uncomfortable. Or whatever, but she really, truly seems like a kid. The whole like a kid and a kid instead of a person who was like twelve and stopped aging. Yeah, and that's one of those things where we just again have to like just suspend disbelief because if she came out all mature, then we wouldn't even have an episode here. So like I get it, but yeah, just you know a kind of minor nitpick on my end, and apparently everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a major. Th- it's major. It's major for me. It just. It, I just could reference because. It's a reference for me personally because there's a in our life right now. I, I there's a TV show about a chick who looks like she's ten, but she's like twenty seven. Yeah, but she 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 has an age since she was ten years old. It's like so like I but so like this whole thing right here is kind of funny with the whole the whole way they made her not mature or whatever. I just I find it I don't know I I find it I don't know just this uh, very not uh thoughtful. For a, for a show that's really smart on facts. Right, yeah, that's that's where I am too. But uh, Janice says that, you know, hey, being a child with no responsibilities for an eternity sounds like a, a pretty great thing. And McCoy's like, well, you know, until you find out that puberty means a, a death sentence, basically. And so they have this quick discussion about whether or not they think Mira knows and decide that, no, she doesn't because I mean, she doesn't know anything. And Kirk is like, well, you know, I'm I think we should try to get to the other kids and we're going to go ask Miri for help. 
and he like holds her hand as they leave and i'm just like uh like okay so at this point i'm like okay like he obviously you know now he knows that she likes him so he's just kind of using her for what he wants you know just kind of playing along with it but it's just it still feels weird and uh Elsewhere, the other kids are deciding what to do about Kirk and his crew, and they decide that they are going to take the crew's communicators to stop them from contacting the Enterprise. Uh, and I, I recognized, like, they have kind of like a lead kid here, and I recognize this dude instantly. And he's obviously much younger here, but he still looked exactly the same as he aged. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movies uh, Tango and Cash with Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone, and then also the movie uh, Scrooged. But he was in both of those. So yeah, I, I know he's in Screws. I know he's in Screws. I can remember that part. Yeah. But I don't remember him being in Tango and Cash. In Tango and Cash, he was the inventor guy that gives them the badass truck that they use at the end. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's this dude. Like, that was where okay. I first recognized him, and I was like, huh. Yeah, he's much older now. I know I know him as older. I don't know him as anything else. Yeah. So. Uh, but Miri leads Kirk to where the kids are, and the kids all hide as they approach. And he Kirk opens the door, and when he steps in, uh, a, a grup, which is you know another adult person, uh, shows up, and all the kids start running from their hiding places and just like screaming, just you know trying to get away. So the the grup jumps on Kirk's back, and he throws her off, and then he shoots her with his phaser. And I I noticed that we had uh, a blue phaser color instead of red, and we had a different sound on this one, which I really liked the the blue effect, but I did not like this new sound. You know, I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, and I, I didn't I, either. I don't know if like he had it set on like a different mode because we've seen it disintegrate people, and I'm pretty sure we've seen it just stun people. So I don't know. You know, we'll just have to see in in the upcoming episodes when they use those if if that's going to be like a permanent maybe, maybe stun is maybe blue being stun from now on and red being kill. Yeah, I thought about it halfway through the show. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. If they had to have a way to you know differentiate the two. Uh, so he kneels down to check on the grup and he says that he's like, I don't understand why she died because, you know, my phaser wasn't set to kill. So, you know, there's that. And then for some reason I thought here, is there any way I need to look and see if there's any way I can buy a phaser like prop just to, you know, have in, in my computer room, just, you know, decoration. <laughs> uh, you can get any, you can get anything Star, Star Trek, man. Yeah. You can get you can anything you want. The whole clothes, everything, man. They're everywhere. Yeah, I, th- I think I kind of like to have a like an old school phaser just hanging out. But uh, Miri says that the grup's name was Luis and that Luis was just a little bit older than her. And then she, you know, hugs Kirk. And we get like a little time jump here. So it's a little later on and Kirk and the crew are waiting for the Enterprise to process their data. And uh, Kirk just has Miri sharpening pencils, you know, again, to, to keep her away from the Very the random. Crew. Yeah, well, he's just, like, trying to keep her away while they discuss, you know, the important adult stuff. But I saw that thing, and I was like, man, well, fuck that pencil sharpener. I hate those things. Like, we had those in some of the schools well, I was in. I was wondering if if she was just doing it because she cause she's doing it because she knows how to do it. Because well, she's a kid, remember? They know how to work pencil sharpeners, so she probably knew that as a kid. Yeah. Or was she just having, or was she just doing that for fun, or Kurt sent her over there? Well, she, it, she sharpens they, one. Did he actually say something? Yeah, she sharpens one, and she's like, is this enough? And he's like, well, you know, you better, you know, go ahead and do a few more. So I think he was just trying to keep her away oh, from the crew see. while they okay, could talk see. about, you know, everything's going on. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't Finding so any busy work, you know, just to keep him, keep her out of their hair. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, just like when he had her clean off the desk earlier. He's like, clean clean this shit up. Look how messy it is. Yeah, he's like, hey, we, we, we messed this area up. Go, you know, go do some work. See, he's still working on his grooming. Like, just, he doesn't know he is. 
Spock explains that the notes that he has were from, you know, the, the last weeks before everything went to hell. And uh, he says that, you know, he knows how much time he has and that he's waiting for the ship's computers to confirm it. Which, why don't even have a ship computer if they have Spock? But McCoy says that... He's never wrong. Yeah, he almost never, yeah. So McCoy says that there's only a matter of time before they go mad and start destroying each other. And, you know, with the last one of them destroying themselves. And Kirk uh, looks at the virus that's spreading on his hand. And he's like, wow, you know, that's... Yeah, he's right. We're eventually going to fight each other. And then the last person's going to end up, you know, somehow killing themselves. Which, who would win in that fight? My money is on Spock on this one. Yeah. Um, uh, well, mm, if you were to put rules on a fight between like Spock and Kirk, like a boxing match, Spock every time. Kirk but, would beat him down, bro. He ain't got a chance. No, this is not a this is not a conversation. This is a terrible conversation. I, Man, Kirk. No, 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 no. Him, it, it, Are you kidding me? He'll give him that in two, a sanctioned fight, hammer? Spock would kick Kirk's ass. No, but in, no. in warfare, since Kirk is so unpredictable and Spock only uses logic. Kirk would win. See, now that's yeah, a fair argument, see, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think Kirk, I think Kirk is just I like Kirk. I, Kirk, I think Kirk would win. Can we all the agree that Janice down. wouldn't stand a chance? <laughs> I don't know. Is she, is she all she'd have to do to Kirk is, you know, give that little winky face to him and he'd be like, oh, what was I doing? Actually, that's a, another fair <laughs> fair point. Yeah. And then you know, Bones over there, yeah, he's a smart guy, so he could probably find something around himself to turn into like some kind of you know chemical warfare Weapon. thing. But I, I think I'm still pulling for Spock on this. On just like a you know, they're all four of them are in a room and they just start brawling. I think it's gonna be Spock because like literally he just has Jim. to grab them all on the shoulder and he wins. Jim's Jim's allergic to peanuts. <laughs> yeah, like, I, it's I, like I, a I, peanut I, launcher. <laughs> <laughs> Spock had the bag on him. He's like, "Hey, hold on a sec." He's like, "Look at the peanuts. I got him." <laughs> uh, so uh, Kirk asks about Miri, and Spock is like, "Well, you know, their guess was right, and that she's gonna get the disease as she enters puberty, and you know, she has maybe five or six weeks by his estimate." And so Kirk's like, well, what about us? And Spock says, "Well, you know, the uh, older the victim, the more rapid the progress of the virus." So, you know, R.I.P. Bones. And he says that, you know, he is carrying the virus, but that he can't go back to the ship as much as he wants to because, you know, he would spread it to the rest of the crew. You know what really sucks about this disease for the people coming into adulthood is that puberty itself is just terrible. Then yeah. you add, like, oh, hey, you're going to die in a couple of days on top of that. Yeah. Like, hey, hey you're becoming an adult. Also, you're going to die. Congratulations. Yeah. So... <laughs> You're going to enjoy feeling awkward for seven days. Yeah, and then death. And Yeah, and then death. McCoy says that, uh, you know, they're soon going to start experiencing the symptoms, which would be like a fever and some fuzzy vision and uh, a pain in their extremities as well as uh, other symptoms. And then they get a call from the Enterprise that says that they have 170 hours. So they have seven days to get this figured out or they are gonzo. And then we go to a commercial. So we come back to a captain's log and two days have passed and they haven't found any new information on anything. And Kirk and crew are still sorting through the records and McCoy finds something. Uh, So Kirk sends Janice to go on a walk with Mary. He's like, hey, go take her on a walk like she's a dog. And McCoy (laughs) says that, you know, 
only half of the record is intact, but that it says that the idea was to create a string of new diseases in a chain reaction that would extend the life of a human cell immeasurably. So Kirk tells Spock and Bones that they have to recreate the experiment in order to isolate the virus and create a, a vaccine. And uh, for some reason, like I was just thinking about this, Dan, uh, about at this point, Kirk is like, shit, I really wish I had taken that android body. Like, <laughs> right. That would have solved all of my problems. So uh, McCoy makes a sarcastic remark and he's like, oh, you know, is that all we have to do? You know, we, we have five days, you know, you know, just being like a, sarp- a sarcastic, uh, you know, jerk. And suddenly they hear the children singing again. So they do what they always do when they hear a noise and they just sprint out of the room and into the hallways to look for the kids. Idiots. Yeah. Like, like, really? Really? Yep. Oh, I heard a noise out there. Let's all run out there together. I mean, I let it go. Just well, singing children should be a red flag to begin with. Oh, if you're yeah, on a, yeah. In a in a weird scenario like that, you should be running from children singing. Yeah, it's just like you know, uh, beam me up to the ship as soon as that starts happening. Just bring us all back. Uh, you know, you're all gonna get sick, but we're gonna have the equipment that we need to figure this out, or we're all gonna die. But I'm not sitting here with this spooky ass singing going on. You know, at this point in the show, they should have. A quarantine, a quarantine room where you can beam them into in case something like this happens. Yeah, instead of just into the transporter room? On the ship. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, uh, just so you can have some modern technology and, you know, probably the better, you know, people in their right mind to try to help, you know, cure your disease, we're just going to beam you up to a, a quarantine room and just leave you in there and we'll figure it out for you. Right. So meanwhile, the uh, leader of the children, you know, as everybody left the room, he sneaks into the research room through a a vent and he goes through and steals all their communicators. But when he goes back in the vent, like he kind of lets it slam behind him and the crew hears that from outside the room and they all go back in and they're looking around to kind of see what's going on. And and Spock pretty much immediately notices that their communicators are gone. Which I I called BS on on this part of the episode because as we all know, we can't take our communicators anywhere without them on us. So I highly doubt they would have all left theirs on the table like that. Yeah, especially, you know, if they're waiting from like an important call or whatever. Like one of them is going to probably hold on to theirs, right? That's that's how I kind of felt about the situation. Like not one, I, I, I don't know. I just felt they would have all had them on them at that time. Right. My issue with the, communicate, the situa- whole situation was I just don't, I thought it was very unintelligent. Like it's it's like this episode has so many issues with it with the the simple things that just make me annoy me more and more. Like who would who would all run out the room when they heard the voice? Right. Leave all the communicators. Why wouldn't it be? Well, where were the security like guards at this point in the show? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like, where the hell are those guys? Yeah, we're, we're, your, your communicator's been in your hip the whole damn episode. Every episode until now, you leave them out sit, sitting out there just to, for the kids to grab. Like it'd be like if they if they had to distract them and the kids like snuck in there and gra- and took them and stole them or something. Well, like without them looking, I could I could have got behind that. That makes a little more sense to me. Then once again, I don't know us just leaving our communicators just sitting out there in the open. I just yeah, and that I think that's going to be an issue going forward with like these kind of. Um you know, dialogue heavy, very complex problem episodes is that there's too much room for error for like just leaving, you know, loopholes and plot holes open. And I I can't imagine how difficult it would be to have a scenario this complex and, you know, have all of those closed. Like, I guess you have to leave room for 
you know, more problems to happen so that it increases the suspension of the suspense or the, the tension. But yeah, some of it's just, just kind of dumb like that. Like just nobody having well, communicators. For, for me, and again, where are the guards? About, I think it's smart. I think it's smart. So it's, it's for me. Okay. I'll explain this right. So for me, it's not about more problems coming. It's about the way they have come. It's not about the more, cause I like the idea of more problems. It's just do them smartly. You are dealing with a, a, a space crew of geniuses. Let's be real. Everybody in this show has moments that show their geniuses from Bones to Kurt to Spock. Like Spock is next level, but the other people have always been smart about, about the, with the way to do everything. This situation right here is what a, a, a idiot would do. Right. That's what annoys me about it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, nobody if, we, would if be... we want to try to find like a loophole, we could argue that maybe the virus making them more aggressive is just not making them think clearly. No, but they did it. But then the why would Spock leave earlier. his communicator on the table? Right. Thank you. And, so I guess that's so that theory and, uh, out the window. When they heard the sounds earlier, they chased them too. From that moment, I complained about it then. It's like every time something's going on with this show, it seems to make me want to believe that these guys are making idiot choices, idiotic choices. And that's not what these guys are about. Right. So like, that's what's so 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 it's like if they make smart choices in the field, I'd get it. But these are just really stupid things going on. So I, I, my bad ran over. I guess the only thing ran. that I could say in the defense of this specific situation is that they have been on this planet for two days and have had no incidents. Like they've just been in this room studying. So maybe they like kind of relaxed and let their guard down because they didn't expect a bunch of kids to lure them out and then steal their shit. But I mean, that that's. Yeah, that's really the only way I can defend that. And then, again, like Dan had said, where the hell are the guards? Like, where are them and where are their communicators? I guess, where are they, not where are them? But, yeah, you get it. Yeah, the the guards disappeared for a good chunk of this episode, honestly. Yeah. Um, But McCoy states that, uh, you know, with other communicators, they can't use the ship's computers and they don't have a chance at surviving. So we get another captain's log here uh, saying that they have three days and seven hours left. And Kirk notes that the food supply in the area is running low and the children are going to starve in a few months. So additionally, you know, the disease is causing them to be short-tempered with each other. And Kirk and McCoy kind of have this brief argument. And as Kirk walks away, he, like, bumps into Janice. And for some reason, she's just, like, holding two glass beakers, like, in the middle of the room. And, you know, when he bumps into her, she drops them and they shatter on the floor. And she just starts screaming no and runs out of the room. And Kirk follows behind her. And I feel like, uh, like I know it was part of the virus thing, but I also feel like Kirk is is just like the type of guy that he's like, hey, I'm gonna go like make her drop those because it'll be funny, and he just like goes like it's not even the virus; it's just him being a jerk because he likes to be. <laughs> he just he just casually bullies his crew. Well, maybe that's why she likes him so much. Yeah, he he, he picks on her because he likes her, and you know it's one of those grade school things. You know, uh, the problem uh, with them running out of food, like. Do none of these kids know how to fish or hunt? Like, are are they that uh, incompetent that they can't do simple right. hunting and gathering? Yeah, and we we just circle right back to the fact that you know that problem would he would be solved if they would have you know mentally matured in the like three hundred years that they've been there. But even not mentally mature, once again, there are kids out there that hunt and and, and fish right. and do all that stuff by themselves. It's from that. that so that what have they been living on, like green so once again, canned green beans for the happening? last what, yeah. three centuries or however long it's been? Right. Yeah. Because so, they didn't explain. They didn't explain that all the animals. Why, why there were no animals? 
Like, if they'd have been like, oh, it also killed the animals or something, I'd be like, oh, okay. So they've been living off uh, MREs. Well, the what planet else? itself from space looked pretty healthy. Like, oh, you know, the, the planet screen still. The, yeah, right. You know, nothing looked, you know, out of yeah. the norm. And I feel like this is one of those circumstances where it's it's an unnecessary plot point. Like, they didn't need the food thing. The stakes were high enough already. Like, I get that. They wanted to show that if they didn't, you yeah. know, solve this problem, the kids would eventually die off anyway from starvation. But it didn't matter because it, it was only a matter of time before they were going to die from the virus anyway. So, like, it just seems like an unnecessary plot point to me. Agreed. I, I, why, I don't understand why these simple, like, I thought I had nothing to talk about this episode. Like, I thought, and my issue with the episode literally is the, all the issue episodes of what I'm talking about now. Literally, I had so many issues with the episode because of the, like, the simple yeah. things that just don't make sense to me. Like, like maybe since it's an older episode, they they, they they thought people wouldn't uh get dig, dig that deep into it, you know. But maybe the sixties sixties yeah. they didn't do that. Maybe early early time they didn't do that like that. Me personally, when I watch stuff, I'm like I look at every, every detail, and when I see something that's just kind of thrown away, like the small details of okay, there's kids, but kids can do so many great things. There's no way that this could happen. So like I kept like getting annoyed by everything, and then oh they ran out of food now. Why? Yeah, and then I also wonder, like, would we have noticed or cared about this if we weren't doing the podcast? Like, do we happen to notice things and, and, you know, we're more willing to scrutinize stuff like that because, you know, we're going to come on here and we're going to talk about it? Like, I feel like this stuff would probably be a little more forgivable, you know, if we weren't doing this. Nah, not me. I'd be complaining about movies while I'm watching. Yeah, I I like to overanalyze my shows also. (laughs) All right, you know what? Screw both of you. I've been watching movies all the time. I almost my wife for the other day. I'm like, uh, why is this like this? That makes no sense. She's like, she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, look at that right there. That makes no sense. You know, I don't, I don't care. I complain about everything. Though. All right, so we're throwing that yeah. theory out the window. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we are in the hallway with uh, Janice and Kirk, and she's telling Kirk that you know she's just upset, and then she pulls back like the shoulder of her uniform to reveal that the spots of the virus uh, are on her shoulder, so everything's starting to spread. And Kirk's she, like, uh, are there any lower? Yeah. He's like, he's, you know, he maybe want to pull off the rest of that uniform. But she does confess to Kirk that on the ship, she's like, you know, I was uh, always trying to get you to look at my legs. So apparently she's very proud of her legs. And she uh, she's like, hey, you know, look at my legs. And he's like, okay. And when he does, he sees that she has more splotches from the virus. And then they, like, kind of hug for a moment. And uh, Miri sees all of this. She's watching, like, you know, from behind a doorway, kind of, like, peeking out. Oh, she gets jealous. Yeah. So Kirk is comforting Janice. You know, he says, hey, we're all frightened. And then McCoy yells for them to, to come back in the room, says that he's found something. So they uh, enter the room and Bones explains to them that he made a mistake while he was looking at some stuff. And Kirk is just like, hey, you know, I don't care. I just want to know what you found. And he says that he's found the disease and that there's a chance for them. Uh, so Kirk turns around and and gives uh, he grabs Janice and. You know, she kind of gives him one of those, like, oh, yeah, we're going to make it. Like, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we can do something after this. And, like, I, I don't know why. Like, it just, the, just the look on her face was, like, was not, like, relief. It was, like, I mean, it was kind of relief, but just, like, relief that they could just go bone after this. I mean, she, when, when you're about to die, it puts everything into perspective. Yeah. Yeah, and they got to keep, you know, well, they don't really have the time to, uh, you know, produce another child to leave on that planet. But, you know, they can try. But, uh Kirk sees, or sorry, Miri sees what Kirk is doing and goes to meet with the other children. She's like, screw this, I'm out. And she convinces them that they need to get Janice away from the group to stop them from finding a cure. And uh, so they form a plan to have one of the kids fake an injury so that Janice will come help. 
And Miri's like, well, you know, that'll get rid of two people because Kirk is going to go looking for her, but you know, he won't be able to find her. So we go to a commercial and, and come back and Spock and McCoy are still working on creating a vaccine. And Kirk has a hold of Miri asking where Janice is. So I wonder if they filmed that and they just decided like for time, you know, we're not going to show the part where Miri got tricked by this kid. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's a that's kind of a it threw me off too. Yeah, like a significant it threw me off uh, event. It, it took me it took me a second to get myself around. Like, what the hell just happened? I thought, oh, it, it's a time jump. At the same time, why did if they did film it? Why didn't they show it? Did it, did it come out bad? Or if they showed it originally, but they cut it out? Yeah, now. like we can get two minutes of them chasing sounds, but not you know a minute of Janice getting tricked and taken captive. There's a couple. There's a couple uh, cuts in this show, actually. This particular episode where I feel like there are just random, random cuts that don't fit. Yeah. Like it happened a couple times in the episode where it just, it'll cut to something else real fast, and it's just such a time jump or such a weird thing. It's, it's come. It comes off Which, weird. So I wonder if some of the problems that we have, you know, they didn't have during filming, but because they had to condense it to fit it on TV, it kind of like messed with the plot or something a little bit. Like some of the stuff, you know, would not be fixed no matter how much film they shot. But I, I do wonder if. Maybe the episode wouldn't have had so many holes if they didn't have to condense it to fit into that hour time slot. Not sure. Not sure at all. I just know it's just very, very weird. A couple of these parts. So Miri says that uh, she doesn't know where Janice is. And she asks Kirk, she's like, you feel all right? And he he starts yelling. He's like, you know, none of us, you know, of course I don't feel all right. None of us feel all right. And at this point, uh, I I just want to note that I really do like seeing a desperate out of control Kirk where he's in a situation where he has like genuine fear and worry and because he just has ab- no control, like absolutely no control over the situation. And he's just like super desperate. And I think that, you know, this and the scene that follows were just some amazing acting from Shatner who everybody says like overacts in this series, but I haven't seen that, but like he just, he, he conveys like worry and desperation very well, I think. Well, for the most part throughout most of the episodes, he's been pretty cool under, under pressure right i think it fits because like uh he's over i think the overacting here of him the desperate part is uh because of the disease so i think it works really good yeah so uh mary says that she doesn't want anything bad to happen to kirk and so he just kind of leaves her off to the side and goes to spock and mccoy to tell them that you know hey i have to go find janice and spock is like well you know we also have to find the communicators and kirk he's like you know we're, i'm trying you know we're trying so kirk or McCoy yells at him and he's like, well, you know, Hey, that's not good enough. And we can't test our theory, you know, without the ship's computers. And so Kirk asks if the red liquid that's in the the beaker in front of them is a vaccine. And McCoy's like, that's what we need the computer to tell us. And Spock says that without the communicators, it could be, you know, my could just very well be a beaker full of death, which you know, it was, an, I think it was another really good scene for, for Shatner, you know, it was just that kind of desperation. Like, you know, I'm trying, damn it. You know, I, you know, what else do you want me to do kind of things? And, and also really good from, uh, yeah. from the guy that plays McCoy as well. And then Spock was just being regular Spock. So Kirk goes to Miri and asks if she, you know, heard any of the conversation says, you know, Hey, we only have a few hours left. And she's like, well, I don't care. And, Kirk explains to her, you know, that her and her friends will get the disease unless they succeed in finding, uh, you know, the cure. And he tells her that, you know, she's becoming a young woman. And, you know, the moment she does, she's going to get the disease. And she doesn't believe him. uh, But he grabs her arm and shows her that she already has a a splotch on her arm from the disease. Elsewhere, you know, the kids are, are playing in some 
it looks like a you know like a school room and they're playing a weird game where one of them is a teacher and I don't really know what the hell is going on in this scene but you know it is what it is and they have Janice tied to a chair and she asks you know hey what are you gonna do with me and and then Miri opens the door and you know the leader of the kids invites her in and she opens the door the rest of the way to reveal that Kirk is in there and boy does this just take a weird turn from here so Kirk walks into the room while the kids are all chanting and, you know, he tries to tell them what's happening, but they just keep, you know, chanting and trying to play a game. And they're just like drowning him out. And he tells them that they need their communicators back to talk to the ship. And the kids start chanting, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he, he screams, he yells, he's like, no, blah, blah, blah. Which, <laughs> I don't, and at, and, and at this point, Kirk act. is like, I don't want kids. Yeah. Just like, what a weird thing to have to act though. He's like, no, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, he continues to explain that if they can't talk to the ship, then there's not going to be any games anymore. and Everybody's going to die. And one of the kids uh, jumps up from behind Kirk and tries to hit him with a club. But Janice, you know, is like, hey, watch out. And so he's easily able to just take the club away. Uh, he continues pleading for the communicators. Uh, the kids all just like start moving towards him with weapons. And he's just like, hey, you know, we don't have to do this we really know those communicators and then they just start beating the hell out of him with all these like different clubs and sticks and stuff that they have and at this point i'm just like fuck this just phaser them like put it on stun or you know disintegrate just just shoot these kids because like it's it's you and your crew or a bunch of 300 year old kids that are are literally beating the shit out of you yeah they're just attacking him like he's been all about his crew the entire time like fuck this just phaser them yeah, another rant from me, by the way. This whole scene is just terrible. It's stupid. Yeah, it's really it weird. Just, it's it's weird and stupid. Trying to talk to kids like they're with these kind of speeches is stupid. Like, uh, my gosh, why is this episode so bad? This like, scene this has stupid. the feeling of they just made it up on the fly. Like, like it just the 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 episode got progressively and progressively just just terrible. Well, I I I I didn't mind this. Honestly, I didn't mind the scene so much because. I understood that he was trying to reason with the kids, like try to walk them to, he was trying to walk them to the result. Like, Hey, this is all going to happen to you. I'm trying to help you. Right. I, I, I think he was trying to be more reasonable than like the, the strict parent, like, Hey, you're going to do this. You're going to do yeah. what you're told. No, I get your point. I get your point, Dan. My point is, it's just, it's just the way he was talking in, in this, the speech he was doing, like maybe because the disease made him talk like that, but, you don't talk to kids like that. Like, I don't think that's how you get across to them. I don't know. Or like, it just, if it, he should, he go, should he gone on in there and like smack them across to the back of the head? Like, Hey, shut up and do what you're told. Or like, uh, how's it come across? Like it came across. Like it's one of those, uh, speeches you give, like, like a president would give to a nation or something like that. Instead of an adult talking to kids. And my thing is like, he he repeated the same thing like his argument was just he said the same thing like three times in a row and if they didn't listen the first two times they're probably not going to listen the third like it's just he just kept repeating himself like they didn't have any more dialogue for him or or and like uh maybe he just didn't understand like and then maybe they didn't understand the words he was using like it's just the way he was talking like i don't know i just I found the whole scene just well i i also think it's probably terrible. fair to say since they've had no interaction with any adults uh they really don't understand that you know the, the i don't know how to put it like the difference you know how when you talk to your kid you're not talking to him as a friend but you're talking to more of yeah a, they don't respond to like figure. the authority tone yeah 
Yeah. But yeah, he, he used that tone on uh, on Charlie once and it worked. But Charlie went through puberty already and had interactions with, you know, adults prior to that. Right. And I think that uh, even if they didn't understand this, you know, they would understand a good phasering. So it's always an option. That's true. I, I mean, I didn't hear any of them, you know, say you're not my dad. So <laughs> yeah, you're not my real know, dad. It was, just, it was just it was just a weird scene to me. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know why this whole show was a lot of, a lot of uncomfortable scenes. I felt like that scene was uncomfortable. Well, this whole so episode is just uncomfortable. Yeah, this whole episode, yeah, it's really uncomfortable. I just more and more weirdness. I don't know. Yeah. So he does manage to get away from the crowd, but he's like bleeding from his ear and his mouth and like from his eyebrow. And he tells the leader, you know, hey, it's only a matter of months before you get the disease. And Mary's like, yeah, you know, he's right. So Kirk uh, rips his sleeves to show his arms with the huge, huge splotches all over them, which we really should do like a, a Kirk uh, ripped uniform count as well as a death count. But I'm not going back. I'm just going to assume it happens. Their in every uniforms episode. are so easily ripped. Yeah. Or maybe he's just super strong. I mean, that could be too. Yeah. So he's got the splotches all over his arms. And, uh, yeah, he's like, Hey, that's going to happen to you guys. And he's like, well, what, you know, what's going to happen to all the younger ones when the older ones, you know, get older and die. And he's like, you have maybe six months of food left and you might even die before that. So he then, uh, so he, he's like, Hey, you know, I got a foolie for you. Like I got a dare for you. And then he goes to the desk and grabs this kid and just chucks him off this desk. <laughs> yeah, he did. Like, he had enough. Yeah, he just grabs his kid and just throws him off the desk. And I saw, like, dude, that kid did not have a soft landing. And and Shatner tried to hold on to him so he wouldn't go, like, you know, all the way down to the floor. But I think that just made it worse. Like, it looked like he ripped that kid's arm out of his socket. But he just grabs him and chucks him. I was like, Jesus, dude. Well, you know, Kirk might have a concussion, so he's probably not in the best of the mood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He did just get beat up. Yeah. He tells the the kids to look around. He's like, you know, look at the blood on my face and, you know, that my blood's on your hands. And he tells them that, you know, hey, it's not the grups that are doing all the, the hurting and the, you know, the yelling that, you know, it's you guys, you know, basically telling them that, you know, they are the thing that they hate and that, you know, even though he's a grup, he just wants to help. So we go back to uh, Spock and McCoy and Spock goes to check on Kirk. He's like, hey, you know, I need, I need to go see how things are going. And McCoy as soon as Spock leaves, he's like, screw this. I'm just going to inject myself with this uh, vaccine, you know, whether it works or not. And then he like falls down on the table and starts screaming for Spock. He's like, this was a terrible idea. And <laughs> Spock hears him and he, he comes, you know, he and one of the guards who have just been off doing whatever for the last several days, uh, they run back into the room and, and they find McCoy laying on the floor and Spock goes to him and checks him out. And he's like, you know, he's not dead yet. Which, what the hell have those guards been doing this whole time? Like, they've just been playing a real-life version of Fallout. I have no idea. He's just out there, like, building a base. And, <laughs> you know, he's been out in the wasteland trading and shit. Like, this was the first time that the extras didn't die. But I haven't seen them. So. Yeah, they didn't die because they just haven't been there. They're like, I know how this yeah. shit works. We stick around these guys, we die. We go off on our own, we uh, actually might also die. <laughs> Well, they weren't even standing by the door to, like, open the door for, you know, the captain or anything. They're just, oh, we're just going to disappear. Yeah. So, at this point, uh, Kirk enters the room and he's got his communicator and he's talking to the ship. Says that they only have three hours and ten minutes left. And he sees uh, Spock and he's like, hey, you know, where's McCoy? I told you to babysit him and don't let him inject himself with nothing. Which he really didn't. But uh, Spock explains that McCoy did inject himself with a vaccine. And, uh, you know, Kirk... Is looking at McCoy's face and 
Spock's like, wow, look, the, the blemishes are fading. And then they start like just to completely disappear. Which, that that was just not good either, dude, how they did that whole dude, scene. Terrible CGI, yeah. bro. You're right. You're right. I, I thought the same thing. I thought it, it would be like maybe they brushed it off or something and just terrible CGI. I don't know the way that that was terrible. I just want to clarify. Yeah, but I mean, like, how else do you show, you know, in that time period that he's getting better? Like, I... I mean, I get, yeah, it didn't look great. Open from, his like, eyes now, and get up. And that's yeah, yeah, he get it popped up and like, man, I feel better. He's like, I feel, I I feel these... less angry. Yeah, he's like, oh, I feel, I'm feeling clear now. Uh, that worked for me. Yada, 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 gets up, feels a little better. Then slowly but surely, you know, he goes to wipe the thing off and it falls off or something. Something more clever than this terrible CGI stuff. See, this whole episode, dude. Not to mention, no vaccine works that quickly. Like, oh, hey, Five minutes later, you're 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 good to go. I think that like this whole everything we've seen so far kind of suffers from the same issue, though, where they get so deep into a problem and then they have so little time at the end of the episode to solve it that it has to be like a very quick resolution. And it just leads to kind of, you know, cheesy. That's that stuff like this. I, right. I think yeah. they well, should have left. A little that's kind of how shows were done back in the day. Yeah. I mean, like, I appreciate that it leaves more room you know, for for more stuff in the middle, but they they'd have to wrap it up so fast that you just kind of got to do cheesy weird stuff like this. Well, I think it'd be neat if they would have done it like all oh, in the next episode. You saw like his face still clearing up, right, from the previous episode, showing that you know it's all. I mean, we know it's connected, but there's no continuous like. Hey, what happened in the last episode is still affecting us in this episode. Yeah, they really don't mention the last episodes at all. Which is really weird. Nope. But um, Spock uh, quips that he's yeah you know, he's like I'll never understand the medical mind. Which which yeah I mean that must be a very logical thing to him is just grab your like grab that syringe and just inject yourself with it. But you know obviously everything works out. So we're back on the ship and Janice and Kirk and McCoy are at the captain's chair and Janice expresses her distaste for leaving the children there uh, with a medical team. And Kirk is like, well you know they're three hundred years old. They'll be all right. And they contacted the Space Central uh, to send them teachers and advisors. And McCoy is joking like, uh, jokingly like, well, you know, and truant officers. So those kids are a handful. So Janice tells uh, Kirk that Miri really loved him. And he's like, well, you know, I don't get involved with older older women. He was definitely willing to get involved Best with a younger line one. Of the whole episode. Yeah. And then they just kind of go off to their next adventure. So I, I guess one of my questions, I have a few questions at the end of this. Is first of all, why, why not? Uh, you know, after you solve this issue, uh, like go down, go to that laboratory, and continue that research because they were very clearly onto something. Like they were close to achieving basically immortality, and yeah, it would be a real shame to just like throw all of that away. Well, actually, here's a better thing. D- does it ever say that the kids were going to age normally after they cured them for that particular disease? No, they, they never, never mentioned that. I was curious about that so, too. Yeah, so the kids may may still be ages super slow. Yeah. So the, they may. Uh, so I, I thought about that. I wasn't sure about that. Oh man, could could you imagine puberty for five hundred years? <laughs> God. Yeah, I imagine that. Like, oh, like no, man. I want to die. I wonder if you know if they did give them the vaccine, would that cure them instantly and they would start aging normally, or would they start aging normally once they hit puberty? Yeah, see, it's just one of those. I also got a question. 
what do you think the crew members are doing on this ship? Why everyone, when, you know, Captain Spock are all down there. Do you think they're, you know, laying up doobies and getting drunk? Why, you know, <laughs> well, you gotta they're remember they're, 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 they're captains on, you know, the planet, you know, trying to solve a problem. Yeah. They were gone for almost a week. And I bet that Riley reinstituted his, uh, two ice cream for dinner policy and everybody just partied <laughs> on like in the bowling deck. Yeah. They had a mutiny like, Hey, this guy's going to be in charge. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they, you know, I'm sure some people had like, some experiments and things to do but yeah i bet they mostly just took it easy like they went to beach deck they went to bowling deck they went to like disco deck and just you know had a good time at the time of their lives yep they they actually ended up leaving the system and they went to uh wrigley's pleasure planet and came back <laughs> we'll, we'll be hey we'll be back in seven days don't worry yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah so and the other thing about the kids was like why leave the kids there why wouldn't you take them to you know, somewhere else where they can, you know, be cared for and stuff. I was thinking that also, uh, not to mention, you have to assume all other life, at least human-wise, died off on the planet besides that little section right there. Right, so you've got just a planet of several colonies of kids, most likely. Yeah, you know, maybe 20 people altogether. You're going to give them a whole entire planet? Well, well I, w- I would think that the kids though. are around in every other city, though, right? If all the adults yeah, yeah, died see- off. Yeah, see, that's what my well. See, that's I, my I question. think what happened is just that town or city was working on that, you know, aging thing. So only their kids got the benefit from that. I I think everyone else died on that planet besides them. No, but uh-huh. when it says the virus, though, virus get are airborne because it didn't it didn't explain how you got the virus. I'm right. assuming it was airborne because the 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 crew got it. So I'm yeah, assuming they that the whole, almost immediately. So, so yeah, so yes, immediately. So I'm assuming it was in the atmosphere, and, and, and anybody on the planet got it. So I'm assuming there. But were there kids? Were there other the, kids? The kids should have been carriers. Well, I, I would think it'd be airborne, like yeah, uh, like, airborne. like Paul was saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the kids, like they didn't start getting sick until they were around Mary. I, are we no, sure? No, like, no, even no. though she had it in her no, puberty no, yet, no, she still had that. it like in her system. Yeah, yeah, but okay. Exactly. So here's what I'm saying. So you're you're thinking that the kids are the ones that have the disease. That's not how it worked. They, they as soon as they got on the planet, they got infected. It had nothing. They, they they got infected. It wasn't because they met that little girl. But you would have thought after a couple hundred years that the disease not being able to affect anyone new should have died out. It was basically just waiting around for the uh, adolescence, the inner adulthood. That's actually another very fair point. Oh, see, okay, I see. You're so the disease could have died out from everywhere else, but okay. Yeah, that's actually a saying. really good uh, argument for the kids being the ones that transmute the disease. Because if it's that you is- know, if it's running through their body and it's working fine, it's not going to like mutate or anything. Mutate, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those things that we needed clarification on that we just didn't get, or we're just overthinking. But yeah, yeah, that's I, that's I, a very I, fair argument, Dan. So I, I had a few questions, obviously, that I had written down. And, and here's the other one. What the fuck was the point in the security guys in this entire episode? I have no idea. Uh, they literally did nothing. Yeah. They walked around for a little bit. I mean, they, they could at least one of them could have died. Yeah. Like just literally anything like something could have happened. And it's another one of those things that makes me feel like this episode was kind of made up on the fly. After or, this or at episode, least well, in the begin- I was going to say in the beginning of the episode where Spock and the security guards were trying to look for, you know, the noises and they were like throwing rocks over the the building or they appeared to be rocks. They could have hit one of the security car- security guards on the head, you know, and killed them. 
Right. Or at the very least, one of the security guards could have been, you know, a little older and could have died from the disease while they were there to kind of, you know, towards the end to, you know, raise the stakes a bit and remind everybody that, hey, you know, this is a serious threat. But but no, nothing. So I guess that's going to bring us to our uh, final thoughts section here. So, Paul, I know you gave us a little bit of hint, but how did you feel about this one overall? At a one out of a 10, this was a negative 35. I don't (laughs) even know. I just (laughs) it was that bad to me. Because I just, I overthink a lot of stuff in life. So it just, all the very small plot holes in this started adding up and adding up and adding up for an episode that I find, I don't know, uh, uncomfortable from the, the, the pedophile type, like the child, adult type. I, I just, I just could it, it made me feel a little uncomfortable from... The way they shot Kirk looking all dreamy at the little girl from their attitude, the way Kirk manipulated this girl to to get the information he he wanted. It's just all these little subtle things that now nowadays you read, you read into a lot more that made it more uncomfortable. So it might be a it might be a 2020 thing, you know, 2020s thing, you know, where things are getting a little uncomfortable here and there. But I just I found this episode, I don't even know. I just I didn't enjoy it. I just I, th- I thought it was I thought it was quickly done. I I, I think it was uh, not smartly thought out. I thought the concept though, the idea of the disease actually is really cool because like I said earlier, it, there's a show called Jericho, and literally it was uh, people got puberty and they end up dying or whatever, a certain age. So it's like I like that. So I get that idea. It's just the way they did it in this episode, particular. Just I feel like they wasted all this great. This great idea, like this, the idea of this was great. It just was executed very bad. It would have been interesting to see what uh, people thought about it when it originally aired. Right. If they had the same thoughts we did or if it's just the age that we live in. No, they, they, they didn't have the thoughts like that at all. They didn't think about that one bit back then. That didn't bother them at all. I bet I bet the whole kid, the kid relationship with them, they thought, oh, it's kind of cute because she kind of likes him and she doesn't realize that. They probably thought this stuff was cute. There's no way they think like the way we think nowadays, because people nowadays are we we see it, it, it to the extreme nowadays. You know that we see it every day. So I just I don't know. This episode was just oh my god, it was so bad. I just what 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 a waste. Yeah, um, that's pretty much how I feel about it for the most part. Like like you said, uh, good idea. Uh, they they kind of missed the mark on the execution. Uh, I the one thing I will say though is that their uh, makeup effects for the disease I thought was really well done. Like I love a good uh, you know practical effect for something like that, and uh, it, I think that the disease itself looked really good. But um, yeah, just kind of kind of weird uh, for all the the same reasons that you said, and and kind of a miss for me. Like it, it wasn't wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Uh, Dan, um, I have to agree with. What both of you had said for the most part of this episode, I didn't flat out hate it, but I didn't love it. Um, another one of my questions that I wanted them to answer is, obviously we know there's going to be Earth-like planets out there in the universe, but man, what is the likelihood of coming across one that looks exactly like our planet and mm-hmm. has the same history? Yeah, we never got an explanation for that. Like We were all hoping it was kind of this mirror or alternate universe planet thing and it's just no it's just kind of another earth for some reason 
yeah, that was one of the bigger questions left for me. Like, hey, you guys literally discovered a planet looks exactly like the planet that you're from. Uh-huh. And you don't give a shit about it. In the yeah. sense, like, oh, hey, uh, why is this the way it is? The hist- I, I never thought about the history part because we didn't, they didn't tell us any history. Besides that, uh, it resembled 1960s uh, America. Yeah, that's it. Like, it, it, didn't, it didn't really tell us, yeah, it didn't really explain any history at all. So we don't know if, if it, the history is exactly the same as ours or similar at all. Because think about it, it said it resembles 1960s America. It wasn't the same. It would have been different, like, if they went to, like, if they went to, like New York City. And it was like New York and like it was like Twin Towers and things out there or whatever that happened or something happened in the 60s and then it stayed the same. This one, there was no reference to history at all. It was just that city with a bunch of bland, like bland uh, general things. So we don't know even know the history of that. And then they were able to send out an SOS that resembled our SOS. Yeah, you're right. There was, you're right. I guess. Yeah, just a lot left unexplained. This episode, man. Is that, what a waste of a great idea. That, that really annoys me so much. So I do want to say that I did look up uh, some information about this episode here real quick. And following the first screening of Miri on British television in December of 1970, the BBC received a number of complaints regarding the episode's content. And so they actually banned the episode and it was not played again until the early 1990s. But they never did disclose the uh, complaints that got it banned. So the BBC was like, "Hey, we're not, we're not playing this shit." Well, I could take a stab at it of why it probably got banned. Yeah. So I guess uh, every time they ran the entire series through the seventies and eighties, they just skipped this and a few other uh, episodes. Well, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I get why it's, it's not a good episode. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Unless you guys have anything else. Nope. Nope, I'm good also. Okay. So the next episode that we're going to cover is uh, season one, episode nine, and it's called Dagger of the Mind. And I am very excited about this because in my you know limited time on Twitter promoting the podcast and everything, uh, whenever somebody asks like, hey, what are like the quintessential episodes for Star Trek that you would show somebody who's never seen Star Trek? This one is basically always on that list and it's considered like a must watch for the entire franchise. So I'm very excited to oh, really? to watch. Yeah, I'm really excited to see, you know, why the uh, the fan base loves this one so much. I mean, I like the title already. Yeah. After this episode, uh, they can't go nowhere but up. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe other people have watched in the same order we have, and they'd be like, "Oh, this episode's so amazing." It was like the last episode was terrible. So yeah, of course, this the last one amazing. sucks so bad. <laughs> yeah, the last one sucks so bad. This, of course, this one's gonna be amazing. Like. Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you guys want to, you know, discuss Star Trek, uh, tell us we're doing great, tell us we're doing terrible. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. You could email us at WWSTpod at gmail.com. And as always, you can listen to this, uh, you know, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And that does include uh, YouTube. But it's just audio only on there, no video. Uh, But again, you know, let us know, you know, rate it, comment. Uh, if you liked it, if you don't like the podcast, you know, either way, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Peace. Later.